Welcome to Pigskins and Pageantry, a podcast dedicated to all things SEC football. My name is Wes, and I'd like to invite you to join me, Jesse, and Matt each week as we discuss last week's games, news from around the league, make predictions for the upcoming games, and much, much more. Sorry, I was doing uh, Just Dance uh, with my kids earlier, and so I was trying out some of the moves. But uh, anyway, what's up, everybody? If you're uh, watching, you uh, you see that Matt is missing, and no, he wasn't too hurt to appear on the show. He's actually uh, enjoying some well-earned vacation time. Uh, last weekend saw some completely shocking blowouts, as well as Little Vandy dispatching yet another unsuspecting victim. We'll uh, recap those games and more, discuss the latest CFP rankings that just came out a couple of hours ago as we record, do a thought-provoking speed round, discuss the phenomenon known as Rivalry Week, and end the show with a similarly themed Just for Fun segment. So but before we get into all of that, let's welcome our resident Alabama fan, Jesse. What's up? You know, I do love the good cupcake week before rivalry week because somehow our rival always plays us super hard despite how abysmal they seem so i'm feeling good you know i could skip over thanksgiving entirely and just celebrate iron bowl as i think it deserves more clout than thanksgiving but nobody asked me (laughs) i hear you you're talking about uh cupcake week did you see um i don't even remember who it was now that was talking about how embarrassing it was that the sec has this cakewalk of a of a next to last week and Mm -hmm. you know they should they should be embarrassed and all this stuff and i'm thinking dude this is like every week for some of those other teams near the top not all of them but some of them (laughs) honestly if you're clemson this is every week okay and if you're notre dame it's every week and i understand that they're not near the top anymore but they start near the top every single week right i saw that and yeah yeah yeah, it happens. Like we schedule like one cupcake and everyone's like, well, the SEC does that on purpose. And it's like, okay, sure. We schedule that one week, but then we go into playoffs and we beat everybody. So what's your excuse? Right. Yeah, it is. It is kind of comical. People will find anything to try to latch on to. So, um, all right, let's talk about some of those games from last week. Always remember, if you ain't first, you're last. All right. Well, the uh, first one that we'll talk about is Florida at Vanderbilt. Uh, Vandy winning this one, 31 to 24. Nobody got the point in this one. Uh, Vandy stuns us all once again. Uh, Mike Wright just uh, lighting it up again, throwing for three touchdowns in this one. Ray Davis with another big game, 122 yards on 30 carries. Uh, On the other side of the ball, Richardson threw for 400 yards for Florida. Uh, the Commodores did take his lone interception and turned it into a touchdown, however. So, uh, right before halftime, Florida fumbled a punt, which Vandy recovered in the end zone for a touchdown as well. Uh, so, uh, you know, a lot of mistakes like that being made by Florida, uh, ultimately. Special teams for Florida has not been great. Yeah. Ultimately, Vandy cashing in on those mistakes. So, Clark Lee said this is a new era in Vanderbilt football. This is a game where we can look back and see when the shift happened. Uh, Billy Napier called it a reality check. So, uh, what Jesse, what are your takeaways from Vandy beating Florida? Shock. <laughs> um, I don't know necessarily that it's a new era. I think we need to be careful when we say that because 
despite the fact that they they beat Florida, which is huge for Vandy, and congrats, we got that SEC win. Um, you still play in the SEC, and there are going to be times, and there have been times in the past that Vandy has tripped up some SEC opponents. However, they have not consistently won against SEC opponents and had stellar seasons. So I I don't know that this is a new era. I think this is something that has happened in other eras. But I just want to I want to be careful, Clark. I just want to be careful. Um, as you mentioned, the big takeaway here for me is that it was an up and down day for Richardson. I mean, you talked about his stats there. He completed 25 of 42 passes for 400 yards with three touchdowns and one interception. Um, And it's his first pick since October 8th, which was against Missouri. So you look at those stats and yeah, 25 of 42 is not great, but 400 yards is huge. Three TDs is also big. Um, But their thing was, is they just couldn't get much going on the ground. There was only four carries uh, for him for 25 yards, which for Richardson is not something that's great. He's usually pretty mobile. And it was only his second 400-yard passing game of the season and his highest output since throwing for a career-high 453 yards against Tennessee. So uh, Richardson actually said, and I think we've talked about his character throughout the season, I think he's a very coachable individual. I like his character. I like how he owns mistakes. I like how he tends to reflect after the game and he doesn't you know, put it off on someone else. He constantly looks at what he can do better. And I think in this game to me shows that he does need another year of development. I understand that he doesn't always have the weapons around him, but I, I do think he needs to stay a little bit longer and be coached. But he said after the game, I could have done some things better, made some better reads, better checks for us, or even been a better leader. So just got to work. That's all. Uh, So that's Richardson. We're going to continually talk about him, I think, and hopefully talk about him next year, unless he tries to go for the draft. And then I mentioned it slightly, but there was no run game. And again, Florida suffered with a slow start. And when you have no run game and a slow start, it's not a good, good mix. Um, Vandy is used to early games because you tend to get early games when you're not that great. And it seems like Florida's not doing so hot with those early games. Uh, after rushing for 291 yards and 362 yards in back-to-back wins over Texas A&M and Carolina, Florida only had 45 yards on 21 carries against Vandy, which is not great, especially against a Vandy defense that has been continually for years and years and years questionable. Um, (laughs) But yeah, they just didn't seem to be able to answer for an 11 a.m. local start. Their defense forced a three and out on its first defensive possession, but Florida settled for a field goal on uh, their opening offensive drive and, you know, dropped a potential touchdown pass. So uh, Coach Napier said we moved it down in there, you know, into the low red and got six to show for a lot of yards, right? scored touchdowns in the red area and making the other team kick field goals in the red area is a key component to the way that we play winning football. And we didn't do that today. And I would have to agree. I think it's great that Vandy won and they absolutely did some wonderful things, but I also think that Florida didn't help themselves um, and actually helped Vandy. Yeah. Well, I mean, Florida basically, I mean, they basically doubled uh, the yardage that Vandy had. 
Um, but those mistakes, um, obviously the interception cashed in for a touchdown, uh, fumbled the punt into the end zone for a touchdown. Um, you know, that's that's a two two score swing and and you know, uh Florida would have won by a touchdown if it were not for those. So Florida's continually had special teams issues yeah. this season. And I don't know what's happening. I don't know what the juju is, but they have got to get it together because that is really, really hurting them. Yeah. For Vandy, I mean, if you're going to end a huge SEC losing streak, you might as well just keep things going, right? <laughs> and, you know, honestly, I'm kind of okay with the, the new era comment. I mean, when we're talking, you know, the last SEC win came in 2019, um, I think two in a row, I mean, it has to at least feel like a new era, right? Whether whether yeah. the, whether or not that's the truth of it or not. Um, and also it helps Clark Lee to say that too, right? We want to keep the the good momentum going so let's you know continue to be positive it might help recruiting it's been a while since they've probably had two sec wins in a row and you've got a recruiting at vandy is tough in general but when you can say like yeah we've, we've built a program that can at least win two conference games and then when you tag that with the non-conference games, we can make a bowl game. Right. Well, and not just recruiting, but just in, even in this current season uh, with this current team and kind of keeping their spirits up. And obviously their their confidence is high right now. I heard some announcers talking about they seem to have actually found an identity, whereas they had none really earlier in the season. They're kind of getting into that groove there. Um, and then uh, the fact is, if they win their next game, uh, they go to a bowl game. Now, yeah. granted, it's against Tennessee, but Tennessee's had their struggles of their own uh, lately too. So, <laughs> you know, throw a confident Vandy team at a at a reeling Tennessee team, and who knows? <laughs> I don't know. Can we'll, you imagine we'll, the chaos? Oh. We'll we'll definitely get into that one at the end of this. But uh, yeah, and, and then Vandy's orderly storming of the field <laughs> this is the most Vandy thing to do, right? Um, uh, so also on, along those lines, didn't they get fined? They they got the the they got the top five. They got the top one. Yeah, the the two hundred and fifty grand one for the third offense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you're gonna get fined. Go for it. Like again, we all know I do not condone storming the field yeah. ever. I don't care who you are. It's not safe. It's not good for coaches, players. It's not good for anybody. And we'll get to it when we talk about Carolina. Yeah. But if you're going to get the top five and you're Vandy and there's probably only 2,000 people there anyways, go for it. Don't single file it. <laughs> it's worth it. It was it was just I, like I had to laugh because you watch it and you think you, you're used to watching Storming the Field. And then you watch that one. And it's like, like you said, it's like this nice, neat little line. Everybody goes in order. There's no tearing down of any any goalpost. Nothing, no, nothing destroyed. Deli line. Like people (laughs) had picked numbers and gotten the right spot. And like, I love it because it's on brand. (laughs) It is. It is anything if not on brand. Yep. Um, This ends an eight game losing streak to Florida as well. So there you go. All right. Well, let's move uh, to Georgia at Kentucky. Georgia winning this one only by a mere 10 points, 16 to six. Uh, Matt got the point in this one. Uh, Yeah. Kentucky actually controlled the clock a lot in this game. It's kind of an interesting game to watch because Kentucky wasn't necessarily able to cash in on that, but they just kind of kept the ball away from Georgia for a lot of, especially the first half, it seemed. 
they had a lot of sustained drives, but ultimately not able to get points. Um, Georgia's offense wasn't exactly pretty either during this. Uh, it was a cold, windy day. I get that, uh, but still not pretty. But they did get what they needed for the win. So, uh, Jesse, you have any takeaways from this one? Two big ones for me is both defenses, Kentucky and Georgia, were a bend, don't break mentality. And for me, for Kentucky, it's got to feel good. You've got to put some confidence in your defense because knowing that Georgia offense, it's potent. It's it's high powered and they were able to hold them to a very low score. So despite the fact that their offense for Kentucky was abysmal and they were not able to actually do anything with the ball, their defense held up. And again, you have to have both the win games, but you have to be excited that at least your defense made it not a blowout. Um, and again, with, with Georgia's defense, I'm not incredibly impressed with the way that Kentucky's offense has been trending, especially as of late, but the defense still showed up and did what they were supposed to do. So good on both defenses. The other thing is Bennett is good. I, I'm not arguing that. I don't think anyone's arguing that he has a lot of weapons, which I think helps, but he's not a Heisman candidate. And I think this game completely shut that down. I think mm -hmm. before this game, there was a shot of him getting some votes, getting an invitation to New York or wherever it's going to be held. I think it's New York this year. I don't think, I think this game took him out of it. I don't know that he gets the invitation. He went 13 for 19, which not terrible for 116 yards, zero touchdowns, one interception. And after that, it was clear that Munkin and the offensive staff just kind of called the game so that it didn't require Stetson to be a difference maker, um, which is fine. It, it, they got the W. That's what they needed. Now, has his goal necessarily been to get a Heisman? Probably not. I think he wants to be a back-to-back -back natty champ, which is great. And he very well may get that chance. But I think the past couple games, um, except for the game against Tennessee, proves that he may not get that invite to the Heisman right. Yeah, and it seems like the way that they called the game, too, wasn't necessarily – I mean, he only threw it 19 times, sure. um, like you mentioned. Uh, McIntosh, you know, had 19 carries for 143 yards and a touchdown. It was apparent that they were really just trying to kind of Kentucky – Kentucky, because <laughs> yeah. that's Kentucky's MO, really, is to, is to kind of, you know, run that pro-style offense, uh, control the game on the ground – uh, try to control the clock, uh, slow, methodical. And it's really like they just kind of wanted to do that. Uh, I know some dog fans weren't necessarily happy with the play calling in this one, but I, I wonder if that has to do with it. I know the weather had some to do with it. And then also, I don't know if there's anything to this, but, you know, if you think that you have the game in hand and, you know, obviously you're seeing in this game that Kentucky's not able to do much on the offensive side of the ball, you have the lead. Uh, I don't know if there's something to this, but perhaps you don't want to tip your hand either on offense yeah. and you don't, you don't want to open up the playbook too much and expose what you can do. Um, you know, maybe, that, maybe that's just, you know, a shot in the dark, but it's something to think about. I think. I mean, we're, we're used to in recent years, this very un sec style offense where we're passing the ball constantly quarterbacks are putting up insane numbers so are wide receivers tight ends especially for Georgia 
And we're seeing high scores that if you remember when you and I were growing up or gosh, I would say eight years ago, mm-hmm. that didn't happen. No. Your running backs were <laughs> who were all over the ball. Your quarterbacks were game managers that just had to hand it off. And it was ground and pound. And the stats look very different in recent years. Defensive yeah. uh, heavy. Defense heavy. Yeah. And and now we don't see that. We used to make fun of other conferences for this style of play, but we've kind of <laughs> transitioned to it. Um, I think, too, talking about quarterbacks, I don't think – I don't know that Will Levis gets drafted. Maybe. If he like does, I think it's pretty round. low. I think – I still think the dude should wait – uh, and I know that that's probably not popular. Um, he, he's got the the extra COVID year if he chooses to use it. And I know probably everybody's screaming that he needs to go in the draft. But Mm-mm. I, I think he, I think by coming back, barring injury, of course, but I think if he plays any better, uh, he only helps his stock. It's just gone way down, I, I think. I, right hot take. We talked about it before. I think you should transfer. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly, I think think and again i could be wrong kentucky fans are going to revolt i think he should transfer i think he's done what he can do at kentucky i don't know that he has and it may not be the coaching it may not be the leadership it could just be that he's become who he's going to be there (laughs) and he might need to go somewhere else to get some different development to get some different looks in statistics because the conference is just different wherever he would go. I think he needs to go out of conference and transfer. Yeah. What is, um, what year? Okay. So here, here's a, here's a fun thing. Uh, so Bo Nix is a senior. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, he, he's, you know, I don't know about COVID he year or whatever. You know, what if Will Levis decided, I mean, he wanted to go have some fun in that fun and gun style offense where they just you know throw the ball all over the field he can even run when he wants to you know levis enjoys a good run every now and then and I'm thinking oklahoma or that too think of oklahoma i think you think of the numbers he could have in those places exactly exactly and and it would boost his draft stock hell go to wyoming i don't know <laughs> look at josh allen Go to Wyoming. Exactly. You never know. I mean, it's it's typically, and I, I've talked about this with friends before, where it's like you look at these huge school quarterbacks and you're like, oh, yeah, so-and-so is going super high. But usually in the NFL, it's the quarterbacks that aren't from those schools. It's like the directional school quarterbacks that actually do well or like smaller conferences. You look at like a Wyoming. Right. Like, Mac Jones got seated for the guy from Western Kentucky. Like, right. I'm just yeah. saying I'm Will Levis. I might be transferring and I'm sorry, Kentucky. I have no issue with you. I actually kind of like Kentucky. I'm just saying. I'm trying to think of who was the last quarterback that Kentucky was known for. I don't mean like at Kentucky. I mean, like in the NFL, um, I don't know. I one's not coming to my mind right now. Um, There's not like a a standout. Tim Couch probably. He's he's the, uh, probably the one of the only names that I can think of recently popular in in terms of the NFL. Not just somebody that we know from Kentucky, but uh, that's yeah. 
That's crazy. Yeah, you never know. I, I'm really curious to see what happens with that. All right, let's get uh, to the the game of the day, as far as I'm concerned, because it just blew all of our minds. Tennessee at, at South Carolina. South Carolina winning this one 63. That's right, 63 to 38. Nobody got the Ready point here. Again for the people in the back. <laughs> 63 oh. to 38. Uh, so South Carolina shocks the world. They scored first, and they never trailed in this game. Nine um, out of 11 possessions yeah they scored on nine so i i knew what the score was in this game but i then i saw that stat that listed every single drive and the outcome of every single drive and i I, even knowing the score i was like that can't be right there's that no (laughs) at any point during the game i was watching it and i was like this one is when it's gonna turn it's this possession it's gonna turn it's gonna be bad and it never well, Tennessee pulled within a score around half, didn't they? It was like in the 30s there or something it was like that. Close, yeah. Yeah, and so I'm like you. I was I looked at my at uh, at my wife and I was like, um, it's it, this is going to be it. This is where it crumbles, you know. Like I'm I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna assume anything. It's just it's not going to happen, right? Because it it it's going to be one of those. Especially we know how potent this Tennessee offense is. They're going to get you know kick it into high gear never look back and leave them in the dust. And that just never happened. As a matter of fact, it was quite the opposite <laughs> where it, South Carolina just went crazy. Uh, I spent- was waiting, like, I'm, you know, I'm obviously in, for those that don't know, I'm in South Carolina, um, like two hours from Columbia. And I, I don't know a single South Carolina fan. I'm not even kidding. I don't know one. Yeah. Everyone I know here is a Clemson <laughs> fan or a College of Charleston fan. But I'm sitting here and I'm not a Carolina fan, obviously, but I'm just waiting for them to break my spirits like everyone else in the state probably is. I'm just like, oh, this is it's going to turn after halftime. Tennessee makes adjustments. Heupel gets them straight like it's fine. Spencer Rattler does what Spencer Rattler does. Uh, No, (laughs) no. Uh, South Carolina made my heart sore like Alabama could not against Tennessee. (laughs) Yeah. I just, I I don't, I I don't know what to say. Spencer Rattler had the absolute best game of his career. I believe. Oklahoma fans are hitting their heads. (laughs) Uh, Passing for 438 yards and six touchdowns. Uh, I believe both of those are career highs. Definitely the touchdowns. Um, this, uh, this ended up being a shootout and and what I think we all predicted that the South Carolina offense would outpace that vaunted Vols (laughs) offense. Um, and also they pulled out the stops, you know, they had, uh, they had play calling where they were calling trick plays, uh, you know, all kinds of different schemes there. Um, it was kind of crazy, but at the same time, what a coaching job by Shane Beamer, you know, I mean, like the dude realized, we have nothing to lose. There's, We're just going to lay it all out there. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. And that's what I started. And I'm sure um, other people have thought about too. And, and not just with South Carolina, but when you're a team that literally everyone thinks you're supposed to lose and you probably think you're supposed to lose too. Right. You just, you just play differently because there's no pressure and it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You just go out there and you do what you're supposed to do. 
you throw everything at the wall when it comes to play calling and you see what sticks and you don't come in with this air of superiority. You just do what you got to do. And they did it. And it was incredible. And I think what we also saw with Tennessee against Georgia now against Carolina, which are both very tough places to play in. Surprisingly, Columbia is a very tough place to play in. Those those fans were relentless. Mm-hmm. Um, the Vols don't travel well. When they're playing in Neyland, they have their 12th man. 100%. Everybody that stadium else doesn't is, play well. They yeah. get so many false starts and different penalties, and the, the crowd is a factor. And this crowd was a factor, and Tennessee did not handle it well. You mentioned Spencer Rattler, finally, and in our notes, I have it in all caps, did something. An unpredictable career high, like you said, throwing for 438 yards, five touchdowns. Um, six. Oh, six touchdowns. And and then it's like Oklahoma is probably, <laughs> they're probably not too, too mad, but they're probably just like, where was this guy? Right. Um, he came into the night with nine interceptions and eight touchdowns and averaging 198 yards a passing game. And everyone was like, you know what? Maybe we throw in the backup because this guy ain't it. But he was patient in the pocket. He was throwing passes in narrow windows. He was on point (laughs) all night. And I don't know who gave him like from Space Jam, like Mike's special sauce, (laughs) like his drink of the water bottle. But somebody gave Spencer special sauce. Because he was on it. And it was so much fun. If you're not a Vol fan. Right. It was so much fun to watch. Um, And the Carolina defense. I have this in the notes too. Beamer was playing freshman backups. To the starting freshman. On defense. People went out for targeting. They went out for injuries. Right. And brought in another freshman. And they stopped Tennessee's offense. Mm-hmm. What? I, yeah. I don't. I don't have an explanation. I can't <laughs> tell you why. I don't know. No yeah. Um, and uh, so Matt did have a takeaway for this. Uh, obviously, he's he's uh, on vacation, doesn't have a ton of cell service, but he did he did pop in for a comment on this one. He said, "I have this is all in caps, mind you. I have no clue what happened here. I'm in the Bahamas. This is not there is not heartache here <laughs> with like five exclamation points. So we clearly- also are not clear." Because we think Matt found out the score today. Right. We are not clear if Matt knows the status of Hindenhooker. Right, which it did mean to mention there. Um, wasn't necessarily a factor in this game. It was already yeah. well out of hand when that happened. But uh, obviously, uh, we wish him a speedy recovery. Um, and, yes. uh, and, and clearly, uh, he appears to have a bright NFL future ahead. So best of luck with that as well. So, uh you know, obviously, um, he was a uh, hugely uh, instrumental in uh, the insane season that Tennessee has had this year. A uh, huge season for Vol fans. Again, um, I know even after they lost to Georgia, I know this was kind of an unexpected loss to drop. But even after they lost to Georgia, I know Tennessee fans were just super excited regardless. They're like, look, we didn't expect for this to even be a conversation, you know, for us to even be in the conversation at this point. So, um, you know, they're definitely... Definitely happy with the way things have gone and best wishes to to Hendon Hooker there for sure. 
I also, I do want to say another thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Tennessee's defense could not stop the 11th ranked offense in the SEC. 11th. Yeah. Um, the Gamecocks gained 606 yards after failing to get 300 yards in three of their past four games. The 63 points were the most the Vols have ever allowed in an SEC game, eclipsing the 62 to 37 loss of Steve Spurrier's Florida in 1995. Mm-hmm. So this this was just unprecedented. Um, and I mentioned it before when we talked about rushing the field. Carolina rushed field, right? They did. Um, I I I do not agree. I'm still not gonna agree. I'm never gonna agree. I don't care who it is. It's it's so agree. dangerous. It's so dangerous. If you go back and you watch, because they they kept the camera on um on the field and they're trying to get coach Heifel out, not safe. It was so difficult to get him out. The three state troopers were surrounding him, just trying to push through. And it's not only dangerous for the opposing team. Mm -hmm. If you look at Spencer Rattler, and I understand he probably was excited about everything that was happening, but he was also not safe. There are so many people swarming this one young man. It's a whole crowd taking taking selfies left and right, selfies, and, and they're like pu- not they're not in his face anyway, but they're like pushing him. These these guys could get easily hurt. The reporters and people who are actually out there trying to do their job could get hurt. Mm-hmm. It's just not safe. You could I mean, see it. Every fan base, don't do it. I think. Um... Obviously, like you said, he was uh, Spencer Rattler was very excited, but I agree. I I, I saw I you, know, you, you have that look in somebody's face where they just they don't feel safe. They they're they're concerned that something bad is about to go down. And I don't think that like I don't think there's any malicious intent. But mm-hmm. anytime you get a huge mass of humanity moving like that, you just never know what what could happen. One trip. Yeah, that's all it takes. One trip for him and somebody to step on him, anything. Nobody could even step on him. They could push him wrong. He could fall and he's out for a season. Yeah. We talk about how often these like super small injuries are the ones that are nagging people. And, you know, mm-hmm. one thumb for a quarterback gets screwed up and they can't play for weeks. Right. So you just, you just really have to be careful. Um, whether it's your team, whether it's an opposing team, it's a safety concern. I understand you're excited. I get it, man, especially beating a Tennessee team like this, but still, you got to think about the safety of everybody involved. And uh, this is quite literally their future. Yeah. And you have to take that into account. Yeah. Uh, and, and just kind of wrapping up the game real quick. I, I I don't know where this South Carolina offense has been. Like he, uh, like we've kind of discussed and you've mentioned uh, their struggles uh, earlier in the year. And like, where has this been? But like you're watching the game on, on Saturday night and it's like, uh, Rattler could do no wrong. It was like you're you're talking about him throwing passes into these tight windows and all this, all this stuff. It was like he just connected on every pass. It seemed like, and you're like, what is going on? Is this like is is the moon full or like <laughs> what is happening? I had to imagine it's the the self imposed pressure, yeah, and anxiety, and, and and when you take that away, yeah, just that's true. Fun. Dude you has had a ton football. of. A, a ton of pressure placed on him. Um, so yeah, 
and maybe that's all it took. Maybe they need to try that every week. Be like, dude, you know what? We are not expecting next week when they We're uh, supposed to lose. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Who cares? Just, just like you said, let it fly, and you know we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I, I mean, don't. That's the thing, and I think they talk about this in baseball too. When you're aiming that hard, you know, and you're just focused on that. That's when you miss. Yeah. You just gotta throw it. Just do. Right mechanically what you know you're supposed to do and stop trying so hard to get it in such a small spot. Right. And it works. Right. Cause when the mechanics are right, then everything else goes where it's supposed to. Absolutely. So uh, yeah. And then like other in on the other side is Tennessee's defense this bad. I know that there have been concerns all year and we we've talked about Tennessee's defense being a concern, but in my mind, they were, still improved from last year's defense that sure. was not good uh but this game tends to kind of argue otherwise <laughs> um so i'm just all, all kinds of confused I, I i really don't know what to think and and obviously i know you can't really evaluate a, overall on one game but uh but this performance was just not pretty in in, in a game not where pretty, and their offense couldn't bail them out yeah i mean i i'm obviously going to go back to the bama game we lost by like, two, what was it? Two points. Mm-hmm. That, was, that score was in the fifties for both of us. Mm-hmm. That's not a good defensive game. Right. Your offense bailed you out of it. Right. And I think when, and that's what's dominated the conversation for Tennessee has been the offense. Mm-hmm. And yes, you know, to an extent they've held some other teams to lower scores, but at the end of the day, the offense has been the main point. And maybe we've just overlooked the defense. I think they put some pressure certainly on other teams, but their ability for their offense to spread another team's defense out and just outrun them has been incredible. And they weren't able to do that with Carolina. Right. And I think that started to, at least put more of a microscope on their defense. Yeah. And yeah, I'm not going to say anything else because that's actually part of our speed round. So, so um, no. yeah, this, uh, and, and I think with this loss, this just 100% opens the door for another conference to get in the playoff, unless that's LSU good. beats Georgia in the SEC championship, which that opens up a whole nother thing. Uh, but there is one scenario that I'm not going to talk about yet. And we'll talk okay. about later. I'm just going to say that Tennessee's like historic season for the past, like 15 years. Yeah. Has the same, um, not scheduled the same, um, wins and losses yeah. as Alabama's abysmal season in the past yeah. 15 years. Spoken like a true Bama fan. I hear you. I'm going to say it. I'm biased. I know. Yeah. I tell my mother this every time. I'm biased, but it's part of my podcast and I make the content so I can say what I want. And we, yeah, and we don't want anybody to apologize. But that's the whole point. Is <laughs> that's, that's why we have a conversation. If we all, if we all uh, were the same, it wouldn't be interesting. Right. So, but I will say Tennessee, despite the loss, be excited. This is, better for your program then again it has been in 15 years yes you lost to south carolina 
other really good programs have done that too. Mm-hmm. And not just to South Carolina, other very <laughs> look, small teams. Look, look at up. the other teams up top that almost lost this weekend as well <laughs> and won by narrow margins. Oh. <laughs> yes. So Tennessee, hold your head high. You still have had an incredible season. Um, you should be very proud of your starting quarterback. And I have no doubt that he will do well despite his injury in um in the NFL. So you're doing okay. Absolutely. All right. Let's talk about the the final competitive game from last week. And that was Ole Miss at I say competitive. It, you know, anyway, uh, Ole Miss at Arkansas. Arkansas winning this one 42 to 27. Nobody getting the point in this one either. Um, no. the, here's here's another one that went exactly as we expected right so i mean like like i mentioned was it was there a full moon is there something else in in retrograde right now like what is what is going there on there was some juju man i don't know who's juju but so, honestly there was some big 10 juju that's what it was that's gotta be it the so, big 10 had some voodoo dolls and a cauldron of something <laughs> Well, like, so here, here's the funny thing. So Arkansas, so on paper, this looks like a lopsided victory, right? Arkansas wins this one despite giving up over 700 yards of offense to Ole Miss. Over 700 yards. Um, so uh, Jefferson, uh, KJ Jefferson was back and looking healthy. Um, he, uh, There were actually three 200-yard rushers in this game. Two for Ole Miss, Quinshawn Judkins and Zach Evans. And then uh, Rocket Sanders for Arkansas. I mean, it's just offense everywhere. It's uh, not so- the SEC of eight years ago. No. It's just not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Score was 35 to six, Arkansas at halftime. And then Arkansas did what they needed to do. This one was kind of out of hand. And, you know, obviously they just sort of closed it out in the second half. Uh, and with this win, Arkansas becomes bowl eligible. So kudos to Arkansas there. Um, Jesse, what are your takeaways for this one? We talk about it a lot throughout the season across several teams and several games. Penalties will eat you up and they will cost you the game. And for Ole Miss, penalties in key moments especially were an issue. Ole Miss gave up two touchdowns early in the game because of holding calls on the offense. Um, Although Ole Miss is a good, pretty organized, disciplined team, there were a lot of aspects of the game that were messy and could have been avoided just by playing cleaner football. Uh, and that that really hurt them. In the post-game press conference, Coach Kiffin said, I don't like the penalties. They were very critical penalties, especially on a fourth and nine touchdown. And that's the truth. I mean, you look at how much offense for both teams in this game. It's insane. And Again, we've seen it across a multitude of games and a multitude of teams. But when you have penalties, especially in key moments, you are playing against yourself and you are giving advantages to the other team that you just can't give. Uh, The other thing is, and I think this is the cutest thing I've ever heard. In football, it's so sweet. Uh, Arkansas, obviously, like you said, clinches bowl eligibility. They did it on senior night. And the motivation is so precious. Um, 
So coach Pittman said, first of all, I thought our coaching staff did a really good job of preparing our kids. We had a lot to play for. We had our seniors. We had a dedication game. We talked all week about dedicating the game to somebody else and bringing them into our family. They had a shirt on underneath and they wrote on their shirt in marker who they want to bring into the family, our football family. And that's who they dedicated the game to and played for. It was a top 15 team in the country. It would put us bowl eligible our first three years here. There was a lot of motivation for us, a lot to play for. Certainly we were fortunate. We had our home crowd as well. How cute. How Sam Pittman, how cute. Yeah. Yeah. The the guy is just, um, he just seems to have a heart of gold and that's just so cool. I mean, uh, and it's just precious. I'm sure those guys like wrote their grandmama's name right on their shirt. Um, but yeah, I Arkansas needed this. Mm-hmm. They needed it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm personally, I'm kicking myself for not picking them. I, I, you know, I even talked about it last week. I was like, I just, I just got that feeling. And then mm-hmm. I thought about Jefferson's injuries, been playing hurt, and you know, there's all this, all these other things. And I talked myself out of it, and. Ah, kicking myself. Um, old misses inc- inconsistencies, as you mentioned, killing them. Uh, not much defense either, obviously. Um, and I wonder if Lane is distracted uh, in maybe getting ready for a change. I don't know. Uh, a bunch of people were nah, kind of ticked. He's been trolling on the tweeter. I saw. That's a, what was it? Uh, these uh, newscasters saying, you know, he's he's uh, the the deal is done. And he tweets back saying, did you see the one he tweeted back at the reporter? And he actually like he made word, like a fake press. Conference. He word for word, like requoted it, but reach he rearranged it. So he was like, uh, so-and-so is headed to a different news station. Yep. The, the deal is all but done. <laughs> I, I love it. And the tweets about like, he was going to go to Auburn, but Ole Miss countered with six Taylor Swift tickets and it just <laughs> tipped the deal in Ole Miss's favor. I really, and I know we might be getting ahead of ourselves and it's not necessarily about the Arkansas game, but I don't see the benefit for Lane Kiffin in going to Auburn. He has established himself at Ole Miss. He's done well at recruiting with Ole Miss. It is still a premier SEC program. It's still in the West. And he has less ground to cover at Ole Miss than he does at Auburn. There's a lot to do at Auburn. And they just signed him to an extension for an ungodly amount of money. I I don't know the benefit for him to go there. To me, logically, it seems like a step down because there's so much to do there. Yeah, I agree. He's already got his recruits in at Ole Miss, or at least has several classes in. So that's, that helps. Uh, And, and Auburn, Right now, I know they've, you know, had a few inspirational games recently, but they are still, um, I don't know if the fixer upper is the right term for them right now, but there's a lot of work to be done to that yeah. program to get it back where it needs to be. So it's like you said, it's not like, it's not all fun and games. Oh, I go to Auburn and automatically I'm, you know, competing with Alabama every year. No, I don't think it's that at all. Um, if, no, if anything, I'm a coach. I don't want to go there. Right. There's such high expectations and they will fire you quickly. Right. Why would I want to go there? I'm going to stay at Old Miss where we have a winning record. I've started to turn the program around. People like me. I'm fun. They deal with my antics. 
I still get to play in the West. I still get to play Nick Saban every year. Why do I leave? Right. No, absolutely. I I 100% agree with that. So, um, all right. Well, uh, that does it for the um, uh, quote unquote competitive games. We have a few more here. Uh, Austin P at Alabama, Bama winning this one 34 to zero. Jesse getting the point. Uh, East Tennessee State at Mississippi State, Mississippi State winning this one 56 to seven. I got the point there. Uh, UMass, Texas A&M, uh, A&M winning that one 20 to three. Uh, Jesse and Matt both had the same differential. We had to do math. Math. Uh, Matt gets the point. Um, by the way, just real quick, I don't know if you saw that game, but there was nobody in the stands in that game. Uh, it was bad weather. I will say that. Um, but I know Did a you see ton the of video? schools. Of the shirt exchange? I don't think I did. Okay. Weird things happen in College Station. Please explain if you're someone that lives there or was there. But there's like this video of what I can only assume is some like agricultural frat guys. Just no shirt on in their Levi's with their belt buckles and their boots. And they're in sections of you know i guess the upper bowl it's raining has a white t-shirt flipping it around runs to the next section passes it off like it's a baton to the next guy he runs across the section tossing it around and then it just keeps going it was weird these are the same dudes who do the uh, midnight yell and this is why you get the results absolutely and everyone across instagram was like Someone please explain what's happening in College Station. Are y'all okay? So while the weather could have been an explanation, you look at the um, some of the places up north where there's like, you know, five feet of snow and they're still packed out. So I don't think, I'm not going to use that as an excuse. I get it's UMass, but come on. Anyway. Buffalo people are built different. We cannot compare ourselves to them. <laughs> right. Uh, so yeah, um, AM winning there. And then uh, Kentucky or Western Kentucky, at Auburn, Auburn winning this one 41 to 17. Uh, this one was actually kind of close at, at half. I think it was actually 17 all at some I was point. almost right for a half. <laughs> yeah, I know. So um, I think I picked them too. I can't remember. It was, it was, I picked close at least. Um, and then uh, New Mexico um, at Mizzou, Mizzou winning this one 45 to 14. I got the point in that one. And then UAB uh, at LSU, LSU winning that one 41 to 10, Matt getting the point there. So Jesse, do you have anything to say about any of those real quick? Roll Tide. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, current pick standings. I got 39. Matt has 34. Jesse has 17. We'll still have lots of games to go. Uh, um, you know, heightened uh, worth for the games as well. So see what happens. Um, all right. Let's talk about some uh, news, uh, mainly the rankings. Here's the news. All right. So CFP rankings just came out as we record just uh, about a couple of hours ago. Um, So the uh, rankings are as follows. Number one, Georgia, number two, Ohio state, number three, Michigan, number four, TCU, number five, LSU, number six, USC, number seven, Alabama, number eight, Clemson, number nine, Oregon, number 10, Tennessee, Tennessee dropped five there. And then uh, the last sec team in the top 25 is Ole Miss at number 20. What do you, how are you feeling? How are you feeling about those? Does that look it, about right? Or? It it makes sense. However, things could get weird real fast. They started getting weird this week with Tennessee, right? Yeah. 
I, mm, when Ohio State and Michigan play, things are going to get interesting because you have 11 and 0 TCU who this past week almost lost. It was last second, yeah. literally. And then you have USC, who again almost lost. That was a wild, wild I, game. The juju was weird this week. We're going to find out. This is probably the first year since the CFP that I truly don't know who is going to be the top four. I know Georgia's going to be in it. That I understand. I'm pretty sure Ohio State, well, I don't know. Michigan could be, I don't know. Two through four to me could go a couple different ways. And because Alabama only has a 15% chance, and yes, I checked, uh, of getting into the playoff, this is wild and so much fun to watch. I I think I think one through seven, possibly one through eight, all given the right set of circumstances, have have a chance now. I don't yeah. want to get too deeply into that because we're about to talk about uh, about some of those. So let's go ahead and get right into the speed round. Speed round. All right. So we will get there, but uh, let's start off real quick. Um, so question number one for the speed round. Did Tennessee get exposed last weekend or did they just have a bad game? What do you think? And and the, the way I'm framing that is, is this is this a fundamental issue that was masked by you know a potent offense is were they exposed in that sense or do you think they just had a bad game last weekend i think defense may have like i said i think defense wasn't their strong suit the entire time because we looked at look at the score of um their previous games when they played a quality opponent however that doesn't explain the offense and y'all can say all you want. Hinden Hooker didn't play the whole game. He played 3.5 per, you know, quarters of it. All right. So it, no. it was, it was well out of hand, but when he, when it he was went out. well out of hand, it, they were not going to win it. Even when he was, he could have stayed in the whole time. Mm-hmm. They I don't know. I, I don't know if it's because finally they've had enough film to look at to like cement the way that Tennessee plays offense because they really do spread you out. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what happened. I truly don't. I can't explain that game to you. And I watched it. I don't know. <laughs> I, I feel the, the same way. It is one of the, it is kind of funny how, how you can, you can watch a game and, understand what happened in front of you your what your eyes are taking in but not understand why at all <laughs> and that's and i was thinking about this this week that's what's so fun about football and so unique to it mm-hmm. this across different sports i mean you look at baseball you have 162 games first of all it's an insane number of games that's right. ridiculous you have basketball dozens and dozens and dozens of games you have it with hockey, all of these sports, you have such a bigger pot to look at statistically, to understand a team 
more completely than you do when it comes to football. Football has such a small number of games that we're drawing statistics, we're drawing um, opinions and facts and all of these things and takes from such a small number of games right. that it, it really is hard to say definitively what is happening, what's going to happen, what could happen. We take these percentages and we try so hard to say that, yes, that's going to happen. But there is such a small pool to pull from, whereas you can more likely predict with statistics from all of those other sports than you can with football. And I think that's why it's so exciting when we do have those upsets or so surprising because we pull from such a small amount of data and we think it's fact and then something happens and we're like, how did this happen? And we right. don't have anything to back it up with. Right. It seems like the the feeling, I'm going to say that they got exposed. And part of my feeling with that is uh, watching the reaction of t- some Tennessee fans talking about Tim Banks and the defensive coordinator and how he should be fired and all this stuff. And I get it. Like part of that's probably overreaction. I have one you could have. <laughs> part, of, part of that's probably overreaction. I get it. It's, 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 it's to be expected, especially of a fan base who has – uh, who has had their expectations shift and now they, you know, expect good things and then it doesn't happen. I get that. Um, but yeah, it, it does appear that they had been leaning on that offense all year. And then let's just say that offense has a bad game or, you know, what have you. And then the the defense just gets exposed because they don't have that cushion of offense that is just lighting up the scoreboard left and right. So yeah, I think so. I think they got exposed just from that standpoint. Um, all right, let's move to Will Vandy. <clears throat> this is fun. Will Vandy have more than six wins next year? Will they be not only bowl eligible, but, but perhaps over that? And I, I'll tell you this. So Mike Wright <clears throat> is a junior. I'm thinking he'll probably be back. Ray Davis uh, is having a great year, but is a senior. So uh, part of their run game, huge part of their run game this year. Uh possibly uh probably missing next year again i don't know how the covid year stuff factors in and if if that's even a thing or not with him but anyway um so i I put the schedule on here i'm I'm not gonna list all the games you can you can look and and tell me what you think but do you think that that could be in the cards for vandy next year i hmm, um i think they get five think they get five I don't know that they get six, but I think they get five because, and again, I I don't know. Hawaii, we've already seen they did that this year. I think we get Hawaii, right? Alabama A&M, I think possible. Wake Forest, I don't know that that's possible. Maybe. Um, UNLV, okay. Mm-hmm. When Will Levis transfers and Kentucky has somebody new at quarterback, maybe Kentucky. maybe a wide know. receiver at quarterback. <laughs> I mean, maybe I, I think Richardson comes back at Florida. I think they have some more development and they're a little bit better. So I don't know that Florida is the same. And I think they are going to go hard against Bandy next year because this is so embarrassing. Mm-hmm. I don't think Georgia's it. I don't think Old Miss is it. I don't know that Auburn is. I don't think South Carolina is, but maybe, I don't know. I think they get five. I don't know that they get six, but I think they get five, which is still an improvement. 
Okay, so I think I think Hawaii. Um, they showed uh, this year already that they can handle Hawaii. Uh, Alabama A and M is two. Wake Forest is iffy. I think they can, but it's iffy. Let's just say no for Wake Forest, and then UNLV. I think yes. I think Kentucky is a yes, especially with the, all the question marks uh, that Kentucky has for next year. So that's four right there. Uh, Mizzou. Gosh, I don't know. I'm I'm gonna go ahead and say no for now. Probably no for Florida. No for no for Georgia. Uh, Ole Miss probably not. Auburn probably not. Well, I don't know. We don't know uh, who's gonna coach there. Don't know who's gonna coach. Don't know who's gonna be at quarterback there. Um, Robbie Ashford's no looked good. Looked better. Has improved. Um, South Carolina and then Tennessee. It's at South Carolina. Yeah. I don't yeah. think they get it done. I and it's at Neyland. I don't think they get that done. I think they might have a shot against Missouri. I think they get an SEC win uh next year and continue that uh, you know streak of getting a win in the SEC. They'd but be I next year. But I don't you know, I was I was kind of high on Vandy for next year, just kind of rolling along. But given their schedule, they've definitely got some wins built in there and maybe even some SEC wins, but I don't know that they get six they wins or more. Easy schedule. No. I, I mean, if, if you take this and it's not even Vandy, it's, you know, whoever you want it to be, it's an yeah. Alabama schedule. It's right. not an easy schedule because it's an SEC heavy schedule. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll see. Uh, Vandy. Uh, I, I, at least they have a perhaps a better outlook <laughs> yes. and, uh, and so, and like we said, you know, uh, winning is a habit. Losing is a habit. They're trying to get out of that losing habit and maybe they're picking up a new habit. Who knows? All right. Let's talk about uh, the final question here. So uh, Alabama is uh, currently at number seven in the CFP. Now let's go through this. If Michigan gets blown out by Ohio state, uh, TCU loses. Uh, LSU gets beaten by Georgia in the SEC championship, and USC loses to somebody, whether it be Notre Dame or whoever they play in the Pac-12 championship. Which, by the way, all of these are very real possibilities. Um, do you think Alabama slips into the fourth spot? Is it possible for you to set aside your your Alabama colored glasses for a yeah. moment? Do you think that that is possible? I I can set them aside. It's not outside the realm of possibility, but we would have to see how Clemson does as well. I think for the okay. committee, I think we would have to see how they do. Clemson is currently behind Bama. They are by, currently by behind one. Bama, but still have a better record. So right. if they continue to win, and again, that it may not matter to the committee, there is, like I said, there's like a 15% chance Bama gets in there and we have seen wilder things happen. And it is completely plausible that what you mentioned absolutely happens. But we also have to remember that again, I don't think it's just Alabama that would have a chance at getting in the top four. I think you have seven through nine that could potentially get in the top four, which currently is Alabama, Clemson, and Oregon. Hmm. It depends how their season turns out. Now, if Alabama loses to Auburn, God forbid, knock on wood, 
Absolutely not. Um, but should Alabama, Clemson, and Oregon continue to win and two through five, or not even two through five, three through five lose, it's going to be a very hard day for the committee. And some TCU fans, despite being, you know, 11 and one, if they were, or, you know, whatever it may be, are going to be mad, mad. Yeah, well, I mean, TCU, I mean, they, they've been real close to a loss um, several mm-hmm. times. Um, not saying that that necessarily weighs in. I know there's been several teams up near the top who've had close games, the too. Committee but committee you know, showed what they thought about TCU the first time the rankings came out, and they popped them at seven. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And But, yeah, I, I think it's very possible that Ohio State, you know, you know, has a really good game against Michigan. And uh, if they if they blow them out, uh, if TCU loses, you know, drops an, an ugly game, LSU loses, USC loses in, in, in any of uh, either of the next two weeks, whether it be Notre Dame or Pac-12. Jesse, I'm not trying to get your hopes up. OK, I'm really not. But I am saying that it is very much within the realm of possibility. Now, it would there it would be a, a huge collective eye roll from the rest of the nation who are not Bama sure. fans. Sure. <laughs> they, they would be like, of course. <laughs> they, do know, I care? Fans. No. <laughs> but I am, I, I do believe it's real. And I, I you know, I, I'm trying, I try to be realistic. Real until this past weekend. Uh-huh. When yeah. all of those teams struggled. Yeah. All of yeah. them. Yeah. Cause you've got the, it, the, it showed the we need a bigger playoff. I mean, we're getting one, mm-hmm. but it it definitively proved again that we need another, you know, a larger playoff. But all of these scenarios, very, very possible. And I'm living for the chaos, regardless of if Alabama gets into the top four. I'm just living for the chaos. Mm-hmm. I, it's very, it's very real. And it, it definitely can happen. So I've, I think everybody's going to be glued to those games, those upcoming games. Speaking of which, let's uh, let's go ahead and get into those upcoming games. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! All right. Well, uh, this is Rivalry Week, and uh, we're all excited for that. A bunch of... Uh, uh, classic games, tr- uh, tons of tradition, um, and so we'll talk about each of those. Uh, the first of which is uh, Mississippi State at seven and four, three and four in the SEC at Ole Miss, eight and three, four and three in the SEC. That is known as the Egg Bowl. Um, that'll be Thursday, Thanksgiving at seven o'clock on ESPN. Uh, so uh, just a few, a few uh, historic aspects of this. They first met in nineteen oh one. All-time leader of this series is Ole Miss. Uh, they lead 64 games to 45 uh, they uh, to, and six uh, ties. And then the trophy is the golden egg, the uh, uh, supposedly uh, the football that was placed on this trophy uh, was uh, oddly shaped. And somebody was mentioning how much, uh, much that it looked like an egg. So uh, that sort of stuck. <clears throat> the last meeting uh, last year, Ole Miss won this one 31 to 21. Uh, Jesse, what is your prediction for the Egg Bowl? I honestly, after this season, think that it's going to be very similar to last season. I am picking the Rebels 31 to 24. 
All right. Uh, Matt is also picking Ole Miss. He's got Ole Miss 35 to 21. Um, so this is interesting. Um, I think there's a lot of inconsistencies for Ole Miss. That's my one reservation with them in this game. And then, uh, you know, obviously there's rumors around uh, Lane's possible exit as well. I know we've already talked about that and probably not a thing. But, you, I mean, you know, it, it kind of, you know, it, it can be a distraction. I think a lot of those things going on, I think uh, it's just kind of a an odd week. And then uh, I think that's enough to kind of tip things in state's favor. So I'm going with Mississippi state, uh, 31 to 28. Um, Regardless, we know we will get some very good press conferences out of it. 100%. Uh, as soon as these two guys were hired, I was like the egg bowl just got a lot more interesting. So my favorite, <laughs> Um, next is Arkansas at six and five and three and four in the SEC at Missouri five and six, two and five in the SEC. This, this is the battle line rivalry Friday at three 30 on CBS. Uh, first meeting between these teams was, was in 1906. Um, although there haven't been a ton of games, all time leaders, Mizzou, they lead nine with nine wins and four losses. Um, and then, uh, the trophy in this one is the Battle Line Trophy, which debuted in 2015. It's uh, basically a trophy with kind of the uh, silhouettes of the states fused together. So um, last meeting in this one, uh, Arkansas won 34-17. Uh, Mizzou would become bowl eligible with a win here. So, Jesse, what are your thoughts? What are your predictions for this one? I am thinking that Arkansas is going to continue to write their grandmama's name on their undershirts. <laughs> and pull through a, another win for the program. So I'm going to pick the Razorbacks 28 to 27 in a very close match because I do think these teams are pretty evenly matched. But uh, all in all, I think Sam Pittman and his team gets it done. Yeah, this is that um, this is that food hangover game where we're always the day after Thanksgiving. You're just chilling on a Friday, you know, just hanging out, watching football. Um, yeah, Matt's got uh, Mizzou in this one, uh, 28 to 24. Um, so yeah, I, I think that okay Mizzou defense comes up big <laughs> in this one at home. Uh, I'm going with Mizzou in a very small upset here uh, to become bowl eligible, Mizzou, uh, 30 to 24. So, um, next is Florida at six and five at Florida State, eight and three in the Sunshine Showdown. Uh, that's Friday at 7 30 on ABC. First meeting between these two teams was in 1958. All-time leader is Florida, 38, 26, and 2. Um, uh, the trophy in this one is the uh, Makala Trophy. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's the uh, carving of a Seminole Indian and a gator facing off uh, in a battle. So uh, last meeting, uh, Florida won this one, 24 to 21. Jesse, your prediction for the Sunshine Showdown. I think that Florida is hella embarrassed. After this past weekend, you should be embarrassed. You should be. And <laughs> they are going to be practicing a lot. I also, as someone who's about to attend the University of Florida, <laughs> say, um, say with pride. We're, we're proud of you. Not... Thanks. <laughs> I will be attending the University of Florida um, in January. But despite that, I do think that they are embarrassed. Um, 
of their outing against Vandy. And despite the fact that Florida state does have a better record and has come a long way since the beginning of their season, I think the Gators are going to get it done. It's going to be a really close one. And apparently I'm just picking the score a lot. So I'm going to pick <laughs> the Gators 28 to 27. All right, like Matt. $1 to... When you go to, uh, you know, <laughs> prices, right? The price is right. Just $1. <laughs> $1, Bob. Well, $1. not Bob, but you know. Anyway, um, yeah, Matt, uh, Matt's going with FSU. He's going Florida State 35 to 28. I think um, this is difficult. I, I don't like picking against the conference. Florida State is an improved team this year. I think Florida might hang around at the beginning of this game, but I think Florida State is going to pull ahead by a score in the second half. I'm going with FSU here. 34 to 24. Anthony, if you can hear me, just don't <laughs> let this happen. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, next one is Georgia Tech at five and six at Georgia, 11 and 0 in the uh, clean old fashioned hate Saturday at noon on ESPN. Uh, which, by the way, as I've mentioned before, um, this means that the defending champs will not get a home night game. So do better scheduling people. <laughs> anyway. Um, Preview topics for this one. First meeting between these teams was in 1893. The all-time leader, Georgia, leads 69, 41, and 5. And then the last meeting, Georgia won this one 45 to 0. <laughs> Jesse, your your prediction for this one. <laughs> uh Georgia Tech didn't do bad last weekend. Um they didn't. No. They did not. And UGA did not do great. So uh don't let that fool you. I'm still going to pick the Bulldogs in this one, especially because it's in Athens. This is always, even as an outside fan, I think a fun game to watch. But I'm going to pick the Bulldogs 31 to 14. All right. Uh, Matt says he's picking uh, Georgia two, 221 to zero. No, I'm just kidding. But seriously, 48 to nine. Is what he says. And then it's actually, actually West isn't just being funny. Actually, you know what? He doesn't actually say a team. I wonder if he's saying that about tech. Um, I'm going to ask for a clarification. I'm going to assume he's talking about Georgia here, but hey, you know. But if it is tech uh, and they win, he's going to be like, no, I said tech. <laughs> Didn't, uh, maybe that's a reference. Didn't tech win the most lopsided game in like college football history? And it was something like that in like the early 1900s or something. Maybe. Yeah, I think so. that is a thing. Um, and I don't know the exact score, but it's something like that. And it's some insane yeah. number like that. <clears throat> um, yeah, I think uh, so. I, I don't think it's going to be a shutout like a year ago, uh, but I do think it's going to be pretty cl uh, close to the shutout. Um, Georgia Tech surprised some people this year, but uh, I don't think they have the dogs to hang in this one. No, no pun intended or maybe <laughs> I don't know. Um, I got uh, Georgia winning this one uh, 42 to seven. All right. Um, next is South Carolina at seven and four at Clemson, uh, 10 and one, the battle of the Palmetto state noon yeah. on ABC. Yeah. Um, first meeting between these two was in 1896. A lot of history here as well. All time leaders, Clemson, uh, 72, 42 and four, uh, the trophy, the, the trophy was epic in this one for a while. So you had from the 1980s to about, uh, to 2014, it used to be the Hardy's trophy, which I think is just a fantastic theme for a trophy. Um, and to now, be honest, yeah. as someone who lives in South Carolina, I have not seen a Hardy's. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I know, um, what they, they, they merged with what Carl's Carl's jr. 
I um, haven't seen either. Yeah. Interesting. No. That's interesting. I, I'd, I'd be interested to know if there are any over there and, and where they are. Um, now they have upgraded their trophy. It is now the Palmetto trophy. Um, that's been used from the 2015 to present. So uh, last meeting, Clemson won this one 30 to zero. Um, your prediction, Jesse, for the battle of the Palmetto state. I as, want as someone who's so in badly. <laughs> I want so badly to pick Carolina. Yeah. So badly, but I just can't. I can't trust Spencer Rattler. Uh, I can't trust what happened. I don't know. I want to be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I legitimately want to be wrong. Yeah. So please prove me wrong. But I'm going to pick Clemson in a close one. Uh, I'm picking the Tigers 31 to 24. Yeah, Matt uh, agrees. He says this is going to be a hangover game for uh, Carolina and that Clemson's going to win this one 38 to 20. Uh, this is interesting. Uh, Clemson has, has had some struggle wins all year. And even mm-hmm. though Carolina hasn't looked great at times this season, um, I think that, you know, they kind of believe that they can win this year as well. Uh, they're they're riding that high. That's what I'm afraid of. It's when they believe that they That's do right. that. <laughs> I know. And if if you were to go back and listen to the rivalry week uh, predictions last year, I I did this same thing. And I, you know, maybe, you know, I'm the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, but I'm insane. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with the same thing. Um, I, I know uh, Clemson is a two score favorite in this one, uh, but I'm going to go with the Carolina upset. I'm going South Carolina. 31 yeah. to 27. I hope you're right. I genuinely <laughs> do. Yeah. So I, I think it's going to be a fun one, though. I, I hope. We got to go to a Carolina game next season. Yeah, that would be that would be so much fun. And it, apparently it's a, you know, insane, uh, intimidating place to play, yeah. as we found out last week. They weekend. were screaming overrated. I at saw that. And it gave uh. me life. So... Yeah, I kind of I kind of enjoyed it. I if it was my team, I wouldn't like it because I, oh, I don't like that. I'd be <laughs> so upset. Yeah, but I'm only OK with it because it's not my team and it's one of our rivals. Right. Exactly. I'm biased. I know. <laughs> um. All right. Uh, Louisville. The next one is Louisville at seven and four at Kentucky, seven, uh, six and five. And this is the Governor's Cup. Uh, three o'clock um, Saturday, three o'clock on SEC Network. Uh, first meeting between these two is in 1912. All-time leaders, Kentucky, uh, 18 and 15. Um, and the, uh, as I mentioned, trophy is the Governor's Cup. Last meeting, uh, Kentucky won 52 to 21. Jesse, your prediction for the Governor's Cup, Louisville and Kentucky. I do not think it is a repeat of last year. I hate picking against the conference, but I don't know that Kentucky gets this done. So I'm going to pick Louisville. 31 to 21. Yeah. Uh, Matt agrees. Both of you have bourbon. So just like enjoy. Yeah, there you you go. I I think, I think that should be the theme. That should be like the trophy is like a, it should be the bourbon cup. (laughs) Yeah, I I agree. I think that, wow. And, and like you, you want to talk about like marketing possibilities there. You want to talk about sponsorship. Come on. Um, Matt agrees. Uh, Louisville uh, is going to win this one. He's going 35 to 21. Um, yeah, I, 
I don't know, man. Uh, Kentucky's performed below our expectations this year. Uh, Louisville hasn't looked spectacular either. And this game is at home for the Wildcats. I think, I think Levis has a good game and what might be his final game, his final home game in a Kentucky uniform. So uh, this is kind of funny. I'm I'm kind of uh, doing opposite of you guys for most of these. Um, I'm going Kentucky 24 to 21 in this. Oh, one. okay. So, Hey, I, I'm not saying that, you know, they're a great team or they're turning into a great team, but uh, you know, I think that they maybe get it, get it done and do enough to get it done in this one. So, um, all right, let's talk about uh, Auburn five and six, two and five in the SEC at Alabama nine and two, five and two in the SEC. That is the Iron Bowl, three thirty on CBS uh, this upcoming Saturday. First meeting between these two was in eighteen ninety three. Uh, All time leader uh, Alabama leads forty eight thirty seven and one. Uh, the trophy is the uh, and if I get any of this wrong, Jesse, you you know all this history for sure. James E. Foy, the V O D K. Is that, I don't know. The I think that's correct. Sponsors the Sportsmanship Trophy, uh, more commonly known as the FOI ODK Sportsmanship Trophy, first awarded in 1948. Uh, last meeting, Alabama won 24 to 22 in four OTs. So no. <laughs> that one was just insane. Um, yeah. So uh, what are your predictions, Jesse? I predict that my heart can't handle another four (laughs) overtimes and we sure as hell better not do it again. (laughs) Good Lord. That was awful. Oh my God. It was awful. It was horrible. Um, more praise than the Lord above that we are at Brian Denny stadium. Thank you. I think this is likely going to be a little bit closer than what a lot of people imagine. And I say that because number one, Bama has not been lovely this season. Uh, number two, because Auburn has a little bit of new spirit since Cadillac Williams took over. And number mm-hmm. three, regardless of any records, regardless of how people are playing, any recruiting classes, whatever it may be, these two teams play each other really, really hard. It It's just... A long-standing rivalry, and it's it's just different. I mean, it honestly is just different. And to anybody that has never been to an Iron Bowl, whether you're a Bama or an Auburn fan, I highly suggest you go because it is an atmosphere that is second to none. It, it's something that's just unmatched and wonderful to be a part of. So I'm going to pick the Tide in this one. Again, a little bit closer than some might think, but I'm picking Bama 35-21. to 21. All right, Matt has uh, Bama as well, forty-five to twenty. Um, Vegas has Bama. Last I looked, favored by about twenty-one and a half. Um, I know that's probably what should happen, uh, but this is the Iron Bowl, Jesse, as you already alluded to, and uh, Auburn is uh, shockingly fighting for a bowl game here. So, um, yeah, I uh, there, there's tons at stake here for both of these teams, though. I know Bama fans are probably disappointed about the playoff situation, although, you know, who knows, more more to, to come there. Uh, but regardless, a chance to get to 10 wins uh, and play in a good bowl game if the, if the playoff thing doesn't work out. Um, I think um, this one is, <clears throat> as you said, closer than expected. Uh, not four overtimes close like last year, but closer. I got uh, I got Bama winning this one 28 to 21. 
we can't do that again. <laughs> yeah, I just Aubrey fans can't do that. None of us can do that. Nobody can't. Please don't do it. As as a as a fan who had uh, of neither team, I, I quite enjoyed it, but that was just for the pure insanity of it. I you know. My mother and I were each clutching a pillow, crouching <laughs> on the ground in front of the couch. It was not. It was not good. Was yeah, good. yeah. Those are those are those games where if you're a fan of the team, it's just brutal. Uh, but if you're not a fan, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's again. I understand we're insane for letting this affect our emotional stability as much as it does. I get it. Is it changing? <laughs> Nah. <laughs> I love that you just sort of accepted it too. Um all right, cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely looking forward to that one. Uh next one is LSU nine and two, six and one in the SEC at Texas AM, four and seven, one and six in the SEC at seven o'clock on ESPN. Uh first meeting between these two is in 1899. Uh all-time leader LSU leads 35, 22, and three. Um, the last meeting, uh, LSU won 27 to 24. So, uh, Jesse, what is your prediction for uh, this rivalry that does not have a name? I mean, I mean, we don't have a name. I like need a, to figure that one out. Some marketing executive has to have this figured out. Come on. We, uh, yeah. That's what we get paid to do. Introduce something, yeah. I know. Like, I don't know. Something. I don't know. The hurricane bowl. I don't know. Oh, anyway, gosh. <laughs> um, this one... I I can't give away the notes. I want A and M to win. I know, shocking. Mm-hmm. I hate them both. Uh, but I don't think they get it done. There's it's there's too much amiss in College Station, and there's too much going right in Baton Rouge. I'm gonna pick the Tigers in this one, 28-17. <laughs> and the only reason it's so close is because it's a night game at Kyle Field. Okay. All right. Um, Matt says, can A&M pull the upset? Yes. Yes, they can. Texas A&M 28 to 24. So, uh, all right. So I I think I might be more curious to see if anyone shows up at Kyle Field for this one than I am to watch the game. Is part of that an, a, a protest against Jimbo? And if so, uh, will they be absent for this one? I don't know. Um, oh my god i <laughs> hope so um it's not gonna work i'm sorry it's, it's, it's not yeah at least not not for a little bit um yeah i don't you think this one... go fund me like tennessee did in... <laughs> i don't i don't think this one's gonna be a blowout either um i i think AM keeps everybody on the edge of their seat uh but then lsu pulls it out in the fourth, fourth quarter uh i'm going with uh lsu 24 to 17 yeah just making sure that we're not the same there yeah 24 17 um yeah um ne- uh the last one is uh tennessee this one is another one that desperately needs a name uh tennessee at nine and two five and two in the sec at vanderbilt five and six two and five in the sec Seven thirty on sec network first meeting between these two is in 1892 uh don't forget that uh vandy was actually really good uh in the early stages uh mm-hmm. of of football uh so that i think this is uh lopsided uh the all-time leader tennessee leads 78 to 33 and 5 uh but i think uh the majority of those 33 wins for vandy were you know 
a long time ago. <laughs> um, although there, there have been some in recent days. Uh, last meeting, Tennessee won this one 45 to 21. And then Vandy could become bowl eligible with a win. Jesse, I want to know your thoughts and your prediction. First of all, I have a name for the bowl. Okay. And if they don't take this, shame on them. Yes. This should 1000% be called the Dolly Parton Bowl. And anyone that disagrees with me is just wrong. It's the Dolly Parton Bowl. Dolly um, Parton. And I would accept nothing less. Okay. I thought we were going with, uh, you, you said the two teams from Kentucky B. Bur- Bourbon. I didn't know if there's going to be some kind of whiskey reference here. No. Our no. Lord and Savior, Dolly Parton. That Dolly is Parton. All. That makes sense. Dolly Parton Bowl. And she is the national treasure and protector at all costs. Okay. Trying so in the Dolly Parton Bowl. Anyway. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, and make the trophy however you see fit with that description of the dog. Oh, goodness. Okay. <laughs> um. So while I think the Vols are going to be embarrassed, <laughs> and I think that Vandy is going to be very hyped, I still think Tennessee gets it done. However, we must remember Hendon Hooker is not there. Right. He's not going to be there. Okay. Right. So it is not going to be the 60 burger that you all hope for. You will win, but it's going to be a little bit closer than I think you would want. I'm going to pick the volunteers 38 to 14 in the Dolly Parton Bowl. Um, Matt says the Vols will be angry, and he's going with a score of 63 to 28. I think it's because he doesn't know that Hidden Hooker is gone. I, it could you could very well be. I, I think I don't think he knows. I think you're right. I think he just he saw the score. He was devastated, and he probably just put his phone down immediately. He he's like, I'm not checking anything up to else. the swim up bar in the Bahamas <laughs> and cut his phone off. I don't right. think that Matt knows. I mean, wouldn't you if you if you saw that score, you'd be like, I'm not looking at it anymore. I don't want to uh, see it anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah um so okay all right so he's picking a, a big win here uh, let me tell you I, I have no idea what to think about this one uh so tennessee just got majorly exposed vandy is on a hot streak running high on emotions and as we know that's a big factor uh, especially with uh we we have a bunch of kids playing football here so let's remember that um yeah as as far as vandy's concerned uh this is the best chance they've had to beat tennessee since the last time they did it which was in 2018. So not as far back as you might think. Um, but um, I mean, let's also not forget that Tennessee has had their own journey as well. So uh, Milton getting the start. And while he can throw it a mile, dude throws it as far as I've seen anybody throw it. Uh, he's also had issues at the quarterback position. And then sometimes just flat out throwing it too far or putting too much zip on the pass that requires touch. You know, we'll see. Um Y'all, Vandy is playing for a bowl game, okay? (laughs) Uh, I I can't believe that I'm doing this, but I'm picking with my heart, not with my brain. And I'm saying Vandy, 42 to 35. Whoa! So, uh, yeah, there's just so much riding on this one. There's so much emotion involved. Vandy's high on, on, on the wind's. Tennessee is, you know, just oh man. And I, granted, they still have a lot to play for, but no, I just, I, I don't know. The 13 Vandy fans 
will set several trash cans on fire in Nashville. What is the what is the fine for number four? Because this is in Nashville. I don't know. I don't know. And I don't either. But, but honestly, they're going to show up to the game because they won last week. Yeah. They're going to show up to the game and they're not going to single file. They're not going to single file. Onto man. the field that they beat Tennessee. Which are unruly Vandy fans. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So, uh, uh, Owen right. Wilson, what? <laughs> what? Um, all right. So we've talked about all the all the games for upcoming rivalry week. What is the game to watch this week? I know what you're going to say, but I'm just I have to ask the question. All of them. All, all of them. <laughs> watch them all because I, we are at a point in the season and we are in a season in which literally anything can happen. Watch them all. It's it's such all a good. Else to do. It's such a good week, right? I mean, you, you've yeah, got obviously there's you know holiday, there's there, there's all the food involved, and then there's just all these fantastic games to watch, and uh, 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 you know the majority of them look like they're going to be extremely competitive as well, even ones that we thought perhaps may not be. Yeah. So, I'm excited. I'm gonna I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna do the cop out and agree with you 100 that uh, yeah, let's watch them all. I'm gonna watch them all. Um. All right, so that does it for upcoming games. And then just uh, real quick in Rivalry Week theme, just for fun, in honor of Rivalry Week, what is your favorite rivalry in pop culture? Now I'm talking like bitter enemies, right? It could be like a TV show. It could be a movie discussed in song or maybe like maybe even like real life, like a real life feud between celebrities and all that kind of stuff. What is your favorite rivalry? In the pop first culture. one that comes to mind, and I may be stealing yours because we didn't write them down, is Jim and Dwight from The <laughs> Office. I think it's the best television rivalry of all time because much like with Alabama and Auburn, it is one of those like familial rivalries mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. you feel it and there's so much deep just like resentment. Yes. But at the end of the day, there's still that little bit of love um, where when you need each other, you're there. So I'm picking Jim and Dwight. That's 100% what I was going to say. Whether it's whether <laughs> it is Jim sending Dwight faxes from the future or sending him on, uh, you know, crazy secret agent missions uh, or, uh, you know, uh, dressing like him in Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. Uh, I'm here for it all. Yes, that is one hundred percent. Like when he's like, "You have promised me you'll be on your best behavior," and he's like, "I promise that I'll be on my worst behavior because I already promised someone I'd be on my worst behavior." <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good one. And then I, I love the other one where uh, Dwight is talking about how um, his uh, Dwight or, or Jim's new uh, position is going to be what in, in uh, Hotel Hell. Where the yeah. uh, the owner is the devil, and, uh, and so Jim's like, so let me get this straight. So in your wildest fantasy, you are in hell, and you are co-owning a bed and breakfast with the devil. <laughs> You're not even like, the owner. <laughs> when he's like recording for Michael um, <laughs> while he's on vacation, the meeting, and he's like, Dwight is taking his clothes off. Dwight. <laughs> Put that down. He's like, no, I'm not. And he's like, let the record show. <laughs> yes. That was actually, um, I think that one's season three. And that was probably one of my favorite ones where, yeah, <laughs> Dwight Schrute is now wearing a baby's bonnet. 
<laughs> and then of course andy has to come in and like i am now chopping off phyllis's head with a chainsaw yeah. <laughs> and everybody's just like andy. all right oh. that's that's the end of it you ruined it <laughs> <laughs> anyway yes that's fantastic so uh good good stuff there definitely looking forward to rivalry week uh, thank you for listening to this episode. Uh, lots of good stuff talked about. Uh, lots of good things to talk about. Because it's it's that time of year, right? College football is getting insane. And it's just, quite frankly, a lot of fun to talk about. Um, if you'd like to contact us, please hit us up an email at uh, pigskinsandpageantry at gmail.com. Uh, we are at pigskinsandpageantry on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, Twitter, we are at PPSCC Podcast. Uh, don't forget, we are available for download on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and most podcasting apps for iPhone, Android, and other operating systems. We are also on the Amazon uh, Music, uh, iHeartRadio. Um, if you enjoyed the show, uh, please uh, take a moment, subscribe, and review. We'd love five stars. Um, comments, you know, any, any kind of engagement we appreciate and uh, makes the show fun. Uh, had some people comment the other day on, on a Facebook post with their own thoughts and talking about how much they enjoyed the show. We appreciate that. Um, and then we also appreciate the interaction because it's one thing for us to talk about stuff and it is fun to discuss, uh, but it makes it that much more fun when you guys join in and we can uh, kind of engage and have a conversation that way too. So appreciate that. Uh, until next time, it's going to be a great week. This is Wes. Go dogs. Y'all beat the hell out of those tigers. Let's go, Bama. Roll Tide.